Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Friday, June 3rd, 2022. First of all, today I want to give a huge thank you to Pastor Charlie for filling in for me while I was sick, and also thank you to many of you who I know were praying for me and reached out to me. I really appreciate that and obviously ultimately want to give thanks to God who's been restoring my health over the last couple days. And so I'm excited to be back on Revival from the Bible with you today and also uh, excited, Lord willing, to be back for the National Equipped Conference this weekend as we'll be gathering in downtown Boise, Idaho with pastors from all the different Compass Bible churches and spending the weekend talking about uh, really what it means to be Bible-centered. That's one of the distinctives of our church. Uh, But what does it really mean to live life that way? And actually want to give you a little bit of a sneak peek of something I'll be talking about as we look today at Acts chapter 4. Now, as you're getting to Acts chapter 4, one thing you might want to think about is what makes a good evangelist? What makes a good evangelist? And that's where, uh, you know, lots of times you think, well, a good evangelist is really smart. They're able to answer all those hard questions. A good evangelist is really smooth and and can, uh, you know, just kind of connect with people so well. And I think a lot of the things we tend to think of as what makes a good evangelist are not always accurate uh, and not always what, what God really wants us to think. And I think we'll see more of that as we look at Acts uh, chapter 4 today. Now, again, the context, uh, they have just healed this lame man and preached And we see at the beginning, many people respond. The number of the men come to be about 5,000. So a lot of people are responding to the gospel message of uh, Peter and John and the apostles. But then in response to this, they are arrested. And they don't back down when they're arrested. They testify boldly of Jesus Christ. They even say in verse 10, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, and there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And then look at the response here. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. And so there you you, you see what makes a good evangelist. And I think the key ingredient we're going to see here is boldness. Boldness makes a good evangelist because they see, no, these guys aren't special. They're uneducated. They're common, right? They're not smooth operators. They're not Uh, you know, PhDs and all these different things. But the other ingredient was they had been with Jesus. So there, I think we we see really what what are the key components of a a good evangelist? Well, first and foremost, it's someone that has been with Jesus. It is someone who has had their own life impacted by Jesus in a clear and unmistakable way that then makes them bold to tell others about Jesus. And so I'll be talking about that more uh, at our session at the Equipped Conference 
But I want you to start thinking along those lines that it's not, you know, becoming an expert in in every other religion or or knowing how to answer any question that might come up. It's have you been with Jesus? And then are you bold to tell other people about him? That that that's really what's going to set apart a a strong evangelist. And then as you, you keep reading, you, you come across just one of the most awesome and inspirational passages, I think, in the whole book of Acts when they are released and they go and they pray. And they pray in verse 24, Sovereign Lord who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city, there were gathered together against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Now, as you consider those words, it's amazing that they are persecuted for preaching Christ, but then they go and they pray. And what do they ask for? More boldness. And what an encouraging thing for us, especially as our culture gets darker and darker. There's all all the reason for us to really get bolder and bolder in the proclamation of the gospel. So hopefully Acts 4 encourages all of us in that. As we turn to the Old Testament today, we're finally going to get back to the story of King David now. And we'll be looking at some similar events in 2 Samuel, where we look at 2 Samuel 5, verse 11 through chapter 6. But we're also looking at 1 Chronicles 13. And uh, we, we see a victory of David in chapter 5. And notice how in this victory, he seeks the Lord and he seeks direction from the Lord. And then we see the story of the ark being brought to Jerusalem. And both in 2 Samuel and 1 Chronicles, we see this story of Uzzah. And, uh, you know, this is an interesting story because even today you feel like, wow, that's, that's so harsh. This guy, Uzzah, yeah, he, he tries to keep the ark from falling, you know, into the mud and he gets killed for it. But that, that's where we need some some context. Uh, one clear thing is if you look at the law, you look at numbers, it made it clear that no one was to touch the Ark of the Covenant. Uh, this guy broke a clear command of scripture. And I believe it was R.C. Sproul who pointed out the, the failure of this guy's thinking to assume that he was cleaner than the dirty ground the Ark would um would, would fall into. And that's where I think we see a good lesson about the seriousness of our sin. And, and because of our sin, we are tainted, even in ways the ground is not, because we are sinful as opposed to the Ark of the Covenant, which represented a holy God. Uh, and so we, we see that one thing uh, somebody helped me see lately is another interesting thing is Uzzah here is, is, is a son of Abinadab 
who basically his house had been hosting the ark now for a long time since it had come back from the Philistines. And we don't know this for sure, but there's no mention that this guy is a priest or that Uzzah was a priest. And that's where we know the ark was not supposed to be transported on a cart. It was supposed to be carried by the priests, by a group of the Levites. And that's where I think another thing that is a fair conclusion to draw from this story is where are the leaders? Where, where's David? He should know better than this. Where are the priests and the Levites doing this the way that it's supposed to be done? And when the leaders fail to lead, uh, the people are left to their own best intentions, which aren't right. And so Uzzah might have had good intentions in what he did, but it wasn't right. And, and part of that might be a, a real lack of, of leadership there in this story as well. And then you hear the story of, of David dancing before the Lord and his wife, Michael, is critical of him. And uh, it does not seem from how it's recorded in scripture that uh, that Michael seems to be in the right. She does not seem to be in the right here. And David is praising God and uh, that David was justified in, in what he was doing in praising God. And this was a joyful occasion. You do see from even some of the language that, that it seems that now they, they did it right. It talks about those who were carrying the ark, um, which is the way it was supposed to be done. So you see the sadness and the tragedy that happens when leaders don't lead and things aren't done the way they're supposed to. But you also get a, a shot of the joy that occurs when leaders do lead and things are done the way they are supposed to. So uh, there we see some good lessons again from our time in God's word today. And I hope to see many of you, Lord willing, at the National Equipped Conference this weekend, where we'll talk a little bit more about evangelism as we look at the broader topic of the sufficiency of scripture. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.